0: Thank you for joining us here on the Frank Sontag Podcast. If you are new to this, maybe this is the first podcast you've watched, uh, welcome. For those of you that have watched the first two, uh, the feedback has been very interesting. We're very pleased and we're just getting started. So if we can serve you in any way or help you in any way, go to our Instagram page. The Frank Sontag Podcast is probably the best way to get a hold of us or just go to franksontag.com. Tonight, I want to get into a topic that it could be perceived as controversial, but I don't think anything about it as controversial. And that would be technology and the impact that it has on our culture. Now, technology seems to be changing rapidly. The first thing you may think of is our cell phones and how it seems every few months, there's a brand new updated cell phone. I I find it interesting we still call them phones. Uh, We use them very rarely for talking on the phone. But um, cell phones are probably the most identified piece of technology that we have. But I wanna go back a ways uh, in a moment and kind of give you a perspective on people that have been adamant about at least sharing their concerns about the dependence we have on technology. And I don't want to get too heady here. I just want to kind of cut to the chase. So first and foremost, starting with today, recently in the state of Florida, you may have heard a school district ban cell phones on their campuses. Florida public schools prohibit student cell phone use during instructional time, blocks students' access to social media on district Wi-Fi. This is a new law. It also requires schools to teach students about the effects social media has on their behavior. So there are some that are trying to do something different other than just turning young kids loose with a cell phone. A little bit more on the Florida school system. Officials in Orange County Public Schools. By the way, it's the nation's eighth largest school system. So this isn't just some podunk in the middle of nowhere school district. This is a lot of schools said after the pandemic, students' attachment to their phones was intensified. Students rarely looked up from their phones while walking down hallways and recorded and posted other students on social media platforms. You've probably seen the videos on YouTube of adults walking on their phone, walking into fountains or bumping into light posts or whatever it is. Uh, we, we definitely have an addiction to our cell phones. Um, I, I have some friends in law enforcement and in personal protection. And they say the greatest thing specifically women can do when you walk out into a shopping center is to be aware of your surroundings. And the majority of people that walk out of um, shops or, or going shopping, if you will, they're staring at their cell phone. They don't even look around in the parking lot. Let me finish this story on cell phones in Florida. School district isn't allowing students to use their phones during the entire school day. Some parents and students told the local media the rules are too strict. (laughs) Adding that students should be able to communicate with parents during passing periods. I mean, like, really? Is that we need to talk to Johnny and Janie, like, in between? How's school going today? But I digress. Some students say the ban is problematic because they don't feel as safe not being able to reach out to parents. Sure, that's the reason why. Or authorities if something dangerous happens at schools. First day of the ban, school officials confiscated more than 100 phones, and phone-related incidents like bullying have decreased. To enforce the ban, security officers are riding in golf carts during breaks confiscating any phones they see. So, I don't profess to even imagine what it's like to over, be a, in a position of oversight like at a high school. Uh, my son goes to a local high school. He's got that phone with him constantly on breaks. And uh, th- th- this is an attempt to get down uh, to a symptom of the problem and not the root of the problem. So let me kind of give you some perspective and I'll try to keep this as um, interesting as possible. When I used to cover this particular story I'm gonna share with you on my show years ago, I got people saying, oh, this guy's a curmudgeon. He's just grumpy. He just is a troublemaker. Now, the man's name of all things is Jerry Mander. He just passed away in April. This guy committed his life to speaking out against technology. Now, what he argued for was, We get all the attributes, we get all the positive aspects of technology, but we don't hear much about the negative. And he just argued for some kind of a balance, like just the latest, greatest, it's gonna save you time. He was like, wait a minute, there's a lot of negative attributes to technology. So let me read a little bit from a book he wrote. This is going back 1991. So that's 32 years ago. And when he wrote this book, This is way after the fact of when he was a child. Uh, Let me also give you an emphasis on this. I think we are intrinsically wired to nature and to the pace of nature. That's why when you get out, first place I always think about is going to Yosemite. You take a couple of days, you take in fresh air, you look around, you just feel refreshed. I think that's the way we're supposed to naturally relate to the world and the way God made it. Now we're, uh, we're all caught up in this frantic pace of never ending, whether it's social media or I just have a love, hate relationship with myself. So I'm just trying to breathe a little sanity into the conversation. And so let me read the words of Jerry Mander in his book in the absence of the sacred. This was written in 91, and you'll even maybe have a laugh or two because some of his, uh, reference to certain types of technology is so antiquated and outdated, because that was 32 years ago. Modern technology advanced in such tiny increments for so long that we never realized how much our world was being altered or the ultimate direction of the process. But now the speed of change is accelerating logarithmically. It is apparent that developing a language and a set of standards by which to assess technological impact and to block it where necessary. It is a critical survival skill of our times. He wrote that 32 years ago in 91. He starts out his book talking about when he was a child. Check this out. I was born in 1936, not me, Mander. At that time, there were no jet airplanes and commercial plane travel was effectively non-existent. Try to imagine this. There were no computers, no space satellites, no microwave ovens, no electric typewriters. How old is this thing? 91, 32 years, electric typewriters, I digress. No tape recorders, no stereo music systems, no compact discs, no television in 1936. No space travel, no A-bombs, no guided missiles. There were no fluorescent lights, no washing machines, no VCRs, no air conditioning. No freeways, shopping centers, malls. There was no express mail, no fax. That's kind of funny. No telephone touch dialing. So in 91, we had touch dial phones. We didn't have cell phones back in 91. No credit cards, no antibiotics, no pesticides. He says, during my lifetime, all this has changed. Now, when he was four, he tells a story. I hope you just listen to this. Maybe you have a a recollection when you were little. When I was four years old, Manda writes, our family moved from the Bronx to Yonkers, just three miles north of the New York City border. To me, it was like moving to the wilderness. I remember my first sight of our new house, small, neat, brick with white trim, located at the end of a dirt road, surrounded by woods, I saw deer, pheasants, foxes, raccoons, and owls. When I started school at the age of five, I walked there on a path through the woods. I still remember details of that path, a tangle of roots that I had to climb over, an old maple tree that I grew to like, much as one likes another person. Walking this path twice daily, I kept track of minor changes, like the ever deepening channels, the rains runoff left in the mud. Within two years, the dirt road in front of our house was converted to gravel. And four houses were built about 50 feet from each other. More were planned. I watched the trees fall to make way for new construction. There was a big debate in our house. Should we buy the plot directly behind our property to keep it from being developed? We didn't buy it. My parents could not believe the hillside behind us would ever be developed. Within a few years, it became the largest apartment development in the part of Yonkers. We planted fir trees along our back fence for privacy but we were beginning to feel closed in. Soon after, we had our first parking problem. Eventually, our gravel street was converted to asphalt. A few years later, a yellow line was painted down the middle. My path through the woods became the New York Thruway. The unending noise of speeding cars and trucks blotted out the sounds of wind and birds. By 1955, the woods and the animals were gone, replaced by hundreds of little brick houses, very much like our own, with lawns in front and back and fences. Our neighborhood had become a middle-class suburb. My parents took a friendly view of these changes, although the nearby and nearly rural environment to which they had escaped was virtually destroyed. They and their friends found solace in the fact that this was called progress. You know, I was raised in Cleveland, Ohio in the 60s, and I'm not here to say we lived in the middle of nowhere, and there wasn't buildings and, and three uh, freeways and everything around us. But we just moved recently to Ventura County. We're in a place, we're in the back of a canyon. The other night on our ring camera, we caught a raccoon jumping the fence. There's still some wildlife back here. Uh, I took a hike back um, in the property and uh, I don't want to get too graphic here, but I saw a half eaten carcass of quite a big animal, and I'm thinking, we probably have mountain lions back here. Why do I say all of this? (sighs) We're connected to the environment, and yet we're so disconnected to the real environment because we have this addiction to technology. And I'm guilty of it, I wake up, I check my cell, and it's off and running, and you name it, whether it's running our social media sites, whether it's checking emails, getting caught up on text messages. And then we take a break and we go away for a few days and kind of rejuvenate up in the mountains or wherever. We're really missing something big here. And we have an impact, an effect of technology. Let me read one other bizarre story that Mando writes in his book about television. And then I'll share a few of my thoughts in closing. By the way, this man wrote a book called Four Arguments for the Elimination of Television. That's how nuts he was. But check this out. You ever thought about this when we watch television? He wrote under audio-visual training in his book In the Absence of the Sacred, the situation is really odd that it lends itself well to science fiction descriptions. Imagine, for example, that a research team of anthropologists from the Andromeda galaxy sent to Earth. Hovering above our country, the researchers might report back to their home base something like this. We're scanning the Americans now. Night after night, they sit still in dark rooms, not talking to each other, barely moving except to eat. Many of them sit in separate rooms, but even those sitting in groups rarely speak to one another. They're staring at a light. The light flickers on and off many times per second. The human's eyes are not moving, and since we know that there is an association between eye movement and thought, we have measured their brain waves. The brains are an alpha, a non-cognitive passive-receptive mode. The humans are receivers. As for the light, it comes in the form of images, sent from only a few sources, thousands of miles from where the humans, uh, humans are gathering them in. The images are of places and events that are not, for the most part, related to the people's lives. Once placed into their heads, the images seem to take on permanence. We've noted that people use these images in their conversations with other people, and that they begin to dress and act in a manner that imitates the images. They also choose their national leaders from among the images. In summary, this place seems to be engaged in some kind of weird mental training akin to brainwashing gerrymander all right so what am i saying here am i arguing that we go live in caves and shut off our electricity and you know spark some flint and fire no that's that's not my style but i am concerned about just the the assault it's an assault that we're under right now the other night to vent for a moment i took my son to his first nba game We went to Crypto, we saw the Warriors and the Clippers. Um, Warriors are his team, so we went to see him. I played a little ball in my time in high school and college. I haven't been to an NBA game in years. I may be late to the party here, but I will tell you, I was so annoyed by the sound and the level of noise in that place. I was thinking, when did this change? During the whole game, they pipe music in. I saw Steve Kerr, the coach of the Warriors, make a reference in a press conference like, it's like we're in some nightclub now. I can't even yell at the players. And I'm thinking, what is this about? For me, it was unnatural. I want to hear a coach yell at his players. I want to hear the the squeaky sounds of shoes. I I want to take in the game. And yet, because of technology and cultural change, the game has changed. Baseball, they speed up the pitch count now, which for me, again... I find ridiculous. It just, it messes with the cadence of the game. So what am I trying to say here? There is a natural cadence to life. We're not living it. We're living very, very, very much in a system that delegates a pace that's not natural. We have, um, we have illnesses and, and, and people are literally dying of all sorts of, of, of maladies that I think may have something to do with the pace we try to keep up. I am um, um, Again, I, I don't wanna let my emotions lead here, but to just argue, hey, take time out, take a breath, be more disciplined in your lifestyle, it, it's almost like you sound like you wanna go back to the caveman days. What's on the horizon? more of this much more of this and i don't think that anybody with a modicum of intelligence if you really think about it th- this isn't benefiting you this is about monopolies this is about corporations this is about profit this is not healthy for us i was watching an influencer on instagram before i uh, came in here to do this podcast And she's going on and on about peace of mind and well-being and really good intention stuff. Me coming from the new age, I get the whole self-improvement, self-development stuff. But she was saying little catchphrases like, to find joy, just take a moment in the morning to watch the sunrise. And I'm thinking, we have to speak to each other to do that? Like, we don't do that normally? We don't. I mean, think about that. How many of us take for granted the sun rising and setting every day? How many of us, our our day is just nothing but the grind. I have a good friend who will go unnamed here, but his wife is really struggling. She's put 30 some years into the school system. She's trying to make enough money for her pension. Uh, On a Zoom, I do a, a Wednesday night men's group. On the Zoom, he confided his wife is, is really struggling and stressed. And I said to him, I said, is it really worth it to put another couple years of the grind so when you retire, you make a couple hundred dollars more a month? I mean, what's the priority here? Isn't the priority appreciation of life itself? Isn't the priority the appreciation of the moment and today? You know, those of us that profess to be Christians... Uh, In that book, I I remember something along the lines of, this is the day the Lord has made. And yet for me, I wake up and I'm thinking, yeah, but next week I'm going to Vegas to watch my buddy play for the Vikings or Christmas is coming up. And I, I, how am I going to pay for those presents and on and on and on future based, which hasn't happened. We don't even know if there's going to be a tomorrow. So I guess as I wind down, what I'd really like to try to convey to you is be grateful of the little things in life. Be grateful for the moment. You know, for me, I'm preaching to myself because I'm the guy that when I get a cold, when I, when I get catch a little flu bug, a little cootie or something, I'm miserable and I'm like, why did I take for granted when I felt good? Or when I can go for a walk or a run? God makes it that way, that... There's nothing in this life that you can accumulate that you're going to take with you, and and I'm not I'm not petitioning for again be miserable, be boring. When I became a Christian, my fear in the back of my mind was, well, now nobody wants to play with me because I don't go to strip clubs anymore and I don't do the things I used to do. But God made life so it's vibrant and exciting. There's so much to the day that. If we would stop and take pause and be grateful for. Here's the last one. Again, those of us that profess faith in Christ. How many of you can't find 10 minutes in the morning to read the Bible? I mean, that's a big one. I once heard Pastor Greg Laurie say in a sermon, how many of you, you get out the door, you rush off to work, and you realize, I forgot my cell phone. Right? Panic. Go home. Get the cell phone. And then he used the analogy, how many of you imagine if you rushed out the door, you're on your way to work, and you realize you left your Bible at home? (laughs) Okay. Right? Where do we place value? Where do we place importance? Health. Before the podcast, we were talking a little bit about family. Again, just the simple things. God didn't make a mistake when he made us. He made us with everything we need to have a fulfilling, enriching, and and sometimes challenging life. When I became a follower of Christ, Jesus says in the book, deny yourself, pick up your cross, and follow me. I don't want my life to be easy. Uh, I believe it was uh, Martin Luther King and George Bernard Shaw originally said it, I want to be thoroughly used up when I die. I want life to be filled with peaks and valleys and ups and downs and, and, and devastation and exhilaration. I don't want it easy, but my concern and my fear is that technology is really pitching us um, what my friend used to call fool's gold. It's not gonna bring you any level of satisfaction, any level of joy if you somehow build your Instagram account to 100,000 followers and you're deemed an influencer, half of them are bots anyway, why would I wanna follow anybody, follow anybody that has 100,000 followers that doesn't know the one that I wanna really follow and that's Jesus Christ, amen? So as I close, God gave us intelligence to be discerning. Use your intelligence, make good decisions, take pause, think before you speak. All these things we find in the Bible, be slow to speak and be leery of technology. Don't deny it, don't say automatically no, don't be a Luddite. Luddites are people that that are absolutely against technology, but weigh the good and the bad and then make a good decision. When you wake up in the morning and your feet hit the ground, we have all these expressions and cliches. Just take a moment and thank God for giving you breath for the day and be excited for what is to come and all the experiences that may happen in the course of a day. We really appreciate you watching these podcasts. Um, maybe the next one I'll go from reasonable and uh, what I think is well-reasoned right now. And uh, go to maybe rock in the boat and spit a little fire. Because we live in times by which I think we're, we're tolerating way too much. And people need to start speaking up and not playing it safe. So that's what we call on Radio The Tease. <laughs> we hope and pray that you keep watching us at the Frank Sontag Podcast. We are just getting started. This is the ground floor. I have uh, already contacted some great guests. And I'm looking forward to seeing what God does with us. Thank you for supporting us. Again, you can find us at the Frank Sontag podcast podcast, on Instagram and all the various social media outlets. Until next time, stay close to the Lord. God bless you. Thank you for watching.